Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, along with Brady Boyd, the senior pastor of New Life Church. And today we're picking up in the second part of a conversation that we began last week with Dr. Pete Sanchez and John Egan around worship in the local church. Had an unbelievable conversation last week around song selection, theology, and worship, what we're trying to do in worship. And today we want to have a more congregation-specific focus, so I'll bump it over to you, Pastor Brady with the question, what do we really want to happen on Sunday mornings? Yeah, what's the big idea? What's the goal here? And I'm, I was drawn back this morning as I was thinking about this podcast, I was to Ephesians chapter 5, and it says, be filled with the Spirit. And one of the ways that Paul is talking to the church, he says, be filled with the Spirit, and he says, by speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all all things to God. So one of the ways that we invite the Spirit's work into our life, this is not just a charismatic thing. This is a church-wide for 2,000 years. The church has invited the work of the Holy Spirit into the congregation with the singing of psalms and hymns. And I love that passage of Scripture, and because I think there's this great tension happening right now in the church. Uh, and we, uh, you know, uh, unashamedly, uh, we're, we're a mega church. Uh, we're a large church here in Colorado Springs. And there seems to be this perception that we don't take this seriously, that that worship somehow has become maybe a warm-up act for the sermon, you know, where we kind of, you know, a little music to get people excited for the sermon, you know, the warm-up act. Uh, and I've actually had pastors say that to me in private, where they'll say, hey, I just want these, I just need the, the crowd to be energized by the time I get up to speak, and if, I want them, you know, I want their emotions stirred up. I want, I want it to be, make it easy on me to preach. And, and if, if that's our thinking, we have missed a giant opportunity to shape and form people's hearts and imaginations for Jesus, if it's simply a warm-up act for the sermon. But a lot of times also, I think the perception, and maybe it's true in some cases, that worship is simply kind of this karaoke act, that it's this highly produced, uh, highly entertaining moment in the service where we're singing the most popular songs, where it's for the sake of inspiration, it's the sake of a show, it's highly produced. Uh, I remember one time I was at a church and a pastor, I was, I was watching their worship and it was three of the most popular worship songs in the, on the, in the planet. It was like, there was no reason for it though. It was just three really popular songs. And I said, why did you choose those songs? He goes, because that's the song everybody knows. So if that's our goal, just to kind of be a karaoke act up there, then again, we've lost this massive opportunity for God to do profound work in their hearts during worship. So I want to have a conversation today with Dr. Pete Sanchez and John Egan, who the three of us together shape and craft the worship services here at New Life Church. And the question I have for the two of you, and I want you to speak to this, what is it that we really want to happen in the lives of our people on the weekends? What is it that's really going on? And what is it that we can, that we can facilitate in their lives when we worship? Coming from where I'm at, when I look at the Sunday morning services and all the preparation that we do and all of the all of the rehearsing and all of the song selection, when we come to the Sunday morning, what I'm looking to do and what I'm looking to help people do, and I work with John and the others that we're all saying together, is that we want people to come to the to the service for a transformational moment. That this is if God is who he says he is, and if he's done what he has done, 
And if Jesus has endured what he endured for our sake, and he is among us, resurrected from the dead by the power of the Spirit, when people come to that Sunday morning service, they ought to at least understand that this could be a transformational moment. They're coming to meet with God. And in that meeting, something significant will happen. Now, one of the things I've had to do because of what you just said, Brady, over the years is is try to get pastors and leaders and worship leaders to just tell me what they believe worship is. I think we assume a lot. Yeah. We, we make the assumption that everybody knows. Well, we're all going to show up, right? Yeah, yeah we're all so going to show up. better it's, say something. It's something we do. It's, some, it's, you know, it's somewhere we gather. It's a certain kind of song, certain kind of tempo. You know, the best three songs or maybe the oldest songs or maybe just the Psalms. That's what Calvin said anyway, you know. Uh, th- but the reality is, is we need to spend more time. Leaders need to spend more time. And I would say pastors and worship leaders need to spend more time agreeing on what worship is. What is that? What is this thing? We know what it shouldn't be. That's what we're talking about here today. But we ought to be able to define what it is. What are we doing when we gather together? If we don't know it, people won't know. They'll, they'll give us a message. sense of it. Give us your definition. Well, I've, there's several things that I think play into here. One is I've always used this simple phrase for me to remember that worship is responding to all that God is. That is, it's a revelation with all that we are. That it's, he has to reveal himself for us to worship him properly. So it's not just, we have this idea about singing to some sort of deity out there. We're singing because he has revealed himself to us. So it's a response to what's been revealed. Uh, a simple description that I've heard over the years has been just, you know, love expressed. And I think it was Augustine who said it's natural for lovers to sing. So that when you're in love with the Lord, you know, it, it, that's what worship becomes. It becomes a natural response. I love my wife. It's, it's not work for me to tell her that. I love the Lord. It's not work for me to tell him that. But it's because they're of the personal nature of the relationship. So defining what worship is, I think, is a critical component because everywhere I go, everybody uses the same phrase. Everybody's unpacking the phrase. And it's gone from being something very uh, prophetic, spiritual, eternal to something that's now been commodified and become a music genre, which I think confuses people. And part of the commodification is that um, it becomes very individualistic. Right, So. Exactly. You know, when you said that, I agree with that, responding to all that God is with all that we are, but that is a thing an individual could do. Mm-hmm. What is the point, I'm wondering if one of you could speak to this, what is the point of our, our coming together as a congregation to sing songs of worship? What, why is the, what is the we? I think of Ephesians 5, I think of Colossians 3, that we are encouraging one another, admonishing one another through the singing of psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs. I think that what I hope will happen at a gathering is what I know could happen at a gathering. Um, I know that Paul and Silas sang and prison gates shook, and mm-hmm. which was a bit of a jailbreak, but really <laughs> mm-hmm. brought salvation to the guard, you know, the head guard there. Um, uh, anyone who knows me knows I'm obsessed with Second Chronicles 20, you know, where the singers sang and a deliverance came to the entire army of the, the people of God. And they march back into Jerusalem with joy and hope and peace. Um, what I hope will happen is what I believe can easily happen. But I think it's really key that there's unity Absolutely. with what worship is, with the worship leaders and the, and the, and the pastors of the church, the leadership of the church, because I think you can define it and everyone agree, but you're still all believing different things. So you have to, yeah. you have to fight through it and work through the nuance the nuances of what you believe it can be. Are we going to be radical? I mean, some people might think, do the three and a half minute song. 
and then go to the next three and a half minute song and go to the next three and a half minute song. And we're great. We're in agreement, right? And other, no, I'd, I'd rather do it. Maybe let's do two songs at each. I mean, you should just talk about these things. Um, mm-hmm. I agree. And on Sunday morning, what makes the church a troubling mess is that there are so many different kinds of people sitting out there. Absolutely. So if it were just a gathering of the saints, then that would be one type of worship that you could expect. But it, in fact, the church is actually full of cynics, mm-hmm. people with their arms folded with uh, troubling questions about the faith. They have wandered from the faith. Maybe they're they're coming toward the faith. There are different kinds of places. Then we have just good old-fashioned sinners out there that are there because their mom told them to come. Yeah. Uh, they don't want to be there. Uh, they are they're sleeping during the sermon. They, they're yeah. sitting down during worship. So you have saints and cynics and sinners all meshed together in a little crowd of people in front of you, and God's doing something uniquely different in each of those people. And the worship pastor, I think, has one of the most difficult jobs in, in the world in that you have to be able to be sensitive to what God's doing in all three groups, because the saints, they love five or six minutes of lingering worship between songs, mm-hmm. while cynics and sinners have no idea what's going on. So in other words, for uh, when you mentioned a three-and-a-half-minute song, and then you maybe go into uh, spontaneous, expressive worship or just a moment of uh, music and uh, prayers or whatever that looks like. I think where we lose people is when we fail to explain what is happening. Yeah, leadership. And I think if, if we're willing to explain it yeah. and we're willing to you know to invite people in on a journey with us, I don't have any trouble as a senior pastor for any of those things to happen as long as it is explained to the cynics, right. to the sinners. Right, Can because saints love that stuff. Right. They, well, church and, people love that thing. And re-explained to the saints. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clarified yeah. back yeah. to them. Yeah. What I've, what I've found out is that Christians tend to leak, you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> so you have to constantly reinforce these, these practices. I know that coming from a traditional background, the reason that moved me into where we are today is that people took time to explain. This yep. is why we're doing what we're doing. This is where it is in the scriptures. Let, let's gather around that. And, and these songs that we sang helped me bridge from where I was to where I was going. I know just recently I did a, I mean, three or four minute teaching on the lifting of hands mm. and why that's biblical. I mean, I was stunned at how many people had never heard a pastor explain the biblical ideology, theology of the lifting up of hands or even the clapping, yeah. like the clapping, uh, uh, singing spiritual songs like Ephesians just, we just read that passage yeah. where singing spiritual songs where it's like the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to sing spontaneously song, I think if we'll explain those things, we'll see better participation. Let's talk about those moments in the unseen. We're talking right now about a lot of things that we can see. Yeah. What about the things that we can't see? What's happening in the hearts of people? I I was thinking a moment ago when you, we were talking, uh, Andrew, when you mentioned about what, what happens corporately. I can't tell you how many Sundays that I've stood in the congregation here at New Life Church and stopped singing just to listen to everyone else sing. Yeah. And how much strength that gave me to hear, in our case, thousands of people singing a song together. I, I was thinking about, and, I, and oftentimes during those moments, I'll look around, there'll be black people, Hispanic people, men, women, young, old, rich and poor, different politics, different economics. But we're all in a room singing a song together. That's the richest to me. That's some of the richest worship moments I've ever had is just stopping and listening to this unbelievable diversity of uh, crowd, this diverse crowd, 
in a moment of real unity. What's happening? So maybe I'd like to hear from all of you, what, what's happening in the unseen world? It's not just singing songs on a screen. No, no. There's richness going on there. Can you speak to that? I think that songs are the greatest unifier that we have been given by God. And in a world that's so individualistic, it's so about you climb the ladder, you get going for yourself, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Singing together is so humbling. You can't sing with passion and keep that guard up. You can't sing with passion next to your wife, hearing all everything that you're in and be Mr. Cool. Uh, you can't do that next to an 80-year-old woman and who's next to a teenager. There's something about the generations, the unity. And, you know, Psalm 133, he commands a blessing on that unity. Um, that's what's happening in the unseen. You know, the angels are joined. There's a blessing that comes and it shakes nations. Um, but it's just the great unifier to sing to sing as one. And I don't know if there's much else gives us that opportunity to do like do something like that together. I don't know anything yeah. that does. Yeah. yeah. And I you know, your question about what is happening in the unseen is so it's so profound. I mean, it gets to the heart of what God is trying to accomplish on planet Earth. He is trying to create a new humanity yeah, by exactly the power right. of his spirit. It's it's a people drawn from every tribe and tongue and nation and people. And so when we gather, as you described on Sunday morning, and we've got folks of various ethnicities and backgrounds and genders and whatever, and they're singing together, we are glimpsing the end of all things right. and also experiencing it in the present, which prophetically puts it into motion. So we are, yeah, there is like this moment where the eschatological window opens up and we go, oh, oh, that is where this is all headed again. So I, man, I think it's critical. Absolutely. You know, for, for me, the, as worship leader, writer, working with worship leaders, uh, I have these uncanny moments where I, it's like you, you're smelling or sensing something from the future that's broken into the present. It's hard to explain those things, but it's kind of like the, you know, it's kind of like a true north thing that, that I always look at congregational worship when we worship together as God showing us the way home, you know? And, and when we gather together, the reason all those groups can worship and rally around that is because they're experiencing something, even if they can't explain it, even if they're not theologically astute, they understand that something's occurring in them together with the people of God, that he is creating something. And and us worship leaders, we actually, we invite them to, to take a whiff of what's coming. This is, even when the gifts of the Spirit are happening, it's, it's, it's not going to be needed in the future. It's needed now. It's him breaking it in now to help them explain the beauty of the gospel. When we see that together, it makes worship so rich and full. Well, what yes. we say around here is that worship is a prophetic announcement. Yep. Yes. I mean, I, I'm going to read this, Psalm 89. This is I love this passage of Scripture. It speaks exactly to what you're saying, Pete. It says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. With my mouth, I'll make your faithfulness known through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, Amen. that you establish your faithfulness in heaven Itself. This is what's happening in worship that pastors need to grasp and grapple with is that we are declaring what is yet to come, the now but not yet, the, the sense that the world is broken all around us and yet worship somehow is bringing it all back together. John and I shared this powerful moment 10 years ago. Uh, a lot of you know the story at New Life where we had an awful, horrible tragedy on our campus where two young teenage girls were killed. 
And three days later, we gathered on a Wednesday night and sang together and worshiped together. And it was the first time in my entire adult life where I saw this happening right in front of me, where we saw worship. We, I saw the ability of worship to start bringing healing, uh, to start bringing something that was broken back together again. We yes. sang the song Overcome that John wrote uh, during a prayer meeting here. That song is sung all over the world. But John, take us back to that night where we're singing your song, thousands of people in a room, our hearts are broken after a tragedy, and that song kind of erupted yeah. out of us. And we saw things that were broken being put back together. Can you yeah. take us back to that night? And, uh, and how does that translate in now into every other Sunday that we've had together for the last 10 years? I'll never forget it. Um, I don't. It's, it's etched into my soul. And I think it's because it tapped into the future and it brought, it was, gave us a glimpse. That night was a glimpse. We were so broken. We were afraid. There was murder that happened right here at our church. And what could we do? I mean, really, what could we do? What could we say? So we sang about a different reality. We sang about a different world. And all of a sudden, our present world was different. It affected... Our present world had to change because we were singing about this insane reality of the future and declaring the word, the ancient word of we will overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. Yes, yes. Um, so it was such a collision of sorts of of the divine in our flesh. And I remember thinking, and, and having written that song, I remember thinking this is what I was born for. This is what I live for. Not as a, as a writer, but as a, as, a, as a person, as a man, as a believer, is to stand in the in-between of the divine and, and to, to declare great th uh, the greater things. Um, mm -hmm. One of the phrases I've heard John use often when we're talking about worship is that worship allows us to sing about the morning while living at midnight. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's the chance for your... I want all the pastors that are listening to the podcast today to really catch this, that worship is a uniquely divine opportunity for your congregation to sing about the morning. But a lot of them are living at midnight. And we hope that our sermons are transformative. We hope that the other elements of our service are transformative like that. But singing... Worship, the presence of God is is such a healing moment. It's such a, a moment where everything that's broken can be put back together again, or at least give them a sense of hope. And I think that's where hope rises, is in our worship service. Absolutely. And so for those of you who uh, ever come to New Life, uh, that's what we hope, that when you come into our congregation, that there's a sense of hope rising up out of the ashes. Uh, you're going to hear a group of people singing about morning while a lot of us are living at midnight. Mm-hmm. And I want to encourage pastors. I know. I know we all take it serious. I don't. I am not at all uh, accusing or, or saying that we don't take these moments in our service seriously. I hope today's conversation, though, has opened up uh, some conversation uh, with you and your worship team. And I hope that the level of expectancy rises in your church. Absolutely. Yes. That there's a sense in your church mm -hmm. going forward that something miraculous can and should happen when we sing uh, the scriptures together. Mm -hmm. we, uh, we, one of the things we say at New Life is we sing our prayers and we pray our songs. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it, that has radically changed the way we worship. So it's not words on a screen. These are prayers that we're singing. These are prophetic pronouncements that we're making. And it's changed the way we think and about songs and about worship at New Life Church. 
John, I wonder if you could speak to the role of the table in corporate worship. Part of what made me think of this was when you were talking about the tragedy that occurred here 10 years ago and this moment that we bring our broken, wayward humanity into the presence of God and and his grace rushes in. There's this admixture that we bring our brokenness to him and, and he gives his wholeness to us. So speak for a minute to the table, the role of the table in worship, which you've seen. What I love about the table is that, as Pastor Brady mentioned, we are, we're a big church. We're a mega church. We have to fight against um, consumerism. We have to fight against people coming through our doors because we might just kind of give them a product. And we started go, uh, leading everything to the table. Five years ago. Five years ago. And, yeah. um, and it messed with things. It messed with my worship set. Uh, (laughs) my worship set was longer up top and now it's shorter and because we fit the table into the end of the service and, but it's been awakening. Um, we go on and on about the power of the table, but one of the things that I love about it is uh, we're up there in front of thousands of people. We're leading, we're declaring these great truths to the people in the congregation. I love that. I love that role. I want that role. I wouldn't show you that for anything, but when we get to the table, there's no roles anymore. There's no platform anymore. We're all the people of God consuming him and being transformed by him. And that's the moment in the service for me where I actually kind of take a different type of breath. And I get to take the body and the blood and become one with Christ. It, it, uh, it's really been a remarkable thing. And I, I think something that I know we'll dive into in future podcasts, but I think it's, uh, I think it's a revival. Yeah, excellent. Well, what an incredible conversation we've had today. Thank you again to John Egan and Dr. Pete Sanchez for being part of this conversation. If this has hit home for you in any way, uh, we would love for you to join us for the Essential Church Conference this September here in sunny Colorado Springs, where we're going to be talking in more depth about these and all kinds of other important issues. You can register online at newlifeconference.com and use the promo code PODCAST. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, go ahead and leave us a review on iTunes. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, just let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you'll find helpful around the web. Grace and peace be with you.